This is part one of a series that I've actually begun to teach on entitled, Is Your Love Right? Uh, the name of the whole series will be, Is Your Love Right? Are We Loving Right? Is Your Love Right? But I want to call this teaching New Rules. Uh, I want to go to John, the 13th chapter. I pray your life is being changed as mine is being changed. But John chapter 13, verse uh, 33, which is where I'm really going to start. And to really kind of put this in context, this is the night before the crucifixion. He's just washed the feet of the apostles. And after this, he's getting ready to speak to his disciples. And the last instructions is what I'm getting ready to read to you right now. I'm going to say that on purpose because if I'm getting ready to die or I know this is the end of my journey, usually whatever you say last is what's most important. You're not just going to be wasting your time doing a whole bunch of talking if you know you're getting ready to die. So you're going to make sure that what you are saying is a benefit. And this is right before the crucifixion in John 13, 33, little children, yet a little while I'm with you, ye shall seek me. And as I said unto the Jews, whither I go, ye cannot come. So now I say unto you, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. Now, he says in that text that we are to love people, love individuals, love one another, and just like he loves us. And some of us will say, well, I don't think that's possible. But this was not a suggestion. This was not an option. If you look at verse 34, he said, a new commandment I give unto you. This is a command. And he says, I want you to love people. Just like I love you. That I want you to love individuals. Love people the same exact way that I love you. And we do a very poor job of giving this love because we've never received this love. You cannot give what you've never received. A man by the name of J.R. Butler, Apostle Butler, he always says you cannot go and flow in what you don't know. So God has commanded us to love each other. He said, listen, I need you to love. And most of us have never had an encounter with the unconditional love of God. You, you've never had a genuine encounter with the love of God. And I want to tell you something. You really don't really have a great encounter with his love until you mess up. The Bible says, he who loveth much have been forgiven much. Isn't that true? Because when you see how God has demonstrated his love towards you, never gived up on you, never treated you different, always faithful, always kind, always merciful. When you have an encounter with his love, then you're able to demonstrate that love. But the problem with most of us, if we have been taught unconditional love that is based on works, 
based on performance, that God loves me based on what I do. He loves me based on me praying, based on me fasting, based on me coming to church, based on me not doing this, based on me not doing that. And that's how God loves me. And I want to let you know, they meant well, but that is absolutely incorrect. The love of God is unconditional. It is not based on works. God does not love you because you're lovely. He does not love you because you're perfect. He does not love you because you do everything right. As a matter of fact, there are some of you who don't even feel worthy of God's love. And it's because you tie your his love to your performance. You tie God loving you, God blessing you, God moving in your life, manifestation of miracles. You tie those things to performance in your life. And that's wrong. One thing that I keep trying to stress to you, according to Ephesians chapter 2, you are saved by grace. That is unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor. It's what God does for you, independent of you, and it is constant. It is not based on works. He said, not of works lest any man should boast. It has nothing to do with you. So the love of God is not connected to what you do. His love is unconditional. And God said, I'm commanding you, not asking you, not suggesting you, but I'm commanding you to love others just like I love you. That means that God wants you to love people and it not be tied to performance. Not tied to whether they do what you say, not tied to whether they obey you and dot every I and cross every T and always give you what you want. That's not the love of God. That's a conditional love. That's a human love. But the believer has been commanded to give a divine love. Am I making sense? That everything in the life of the believer has to be motivated by an unconditional agape love. Even when it comes to winning souls, some of you, you don't win souls because you just had an encounter with the love of God and you want to get people saved. You're winning souls because people are telling you the sole existence of every believer. The sole purpose. Hallelujah, of every believer is to win souls. And you're out there working and you're performing, trying to get people saved. But that is not the sole existence of every believer. That is not true. It is not the sole existence of every believer to get souls. If that's true, what about Adam and Eve? Always go back to the garden, which is God's original plan, his divine design. Adam didn't have no souls to win. He had nobody to witness to. He had no demons to cast out. Yet he woke up every day and spent time with God in the cool of the day. Yes, we win the loss. Yes, we want them saved. But you will win the loss once you have an encounter with God and his unconditional love. You want to tell people about him. But it won't be motivated out of religion. It won't be motivated out of works. Glory to God. It won't be motivated out of your desire to think, if I win this many souls, then I'm going to get stars in my crown. All of that is wrong. It is a works-based love, and it builds you up. And you talk about, I'm getting this in my crown. And it does nothing but slowly produces a spirit of pride. Even when it comes to your prayer life, how much of your prayer life is worshiping God 
and loving on him and receiving his love. Are you praying out of works? I got to get my 30 minutes in. I got to get my one hour in. I got to get my two hours in. If I don't do this, Jesus won't bless me. If I don't do this, he won't love me. If I don't do this, and some of you say, I don't think that, but you do think it. Your whole salvation is connected to works. It's connected to what you do. Ooh, I got to pray because if I don't pray, God going to be mad at me. And you're doing everything you can because you think that the love of God is a conditional love. But his love is not conditional. It is unconditional. That's what makes it so powerful. That's what makes it so profound. His love is absolutely unconditional. And the majority of your prayer life should be loving on him. It should be worshiping him. It should be telling him how awesome he is, how mighty he is. Just loving on him and receiving his love. Because again, Revelation chapter 4 verse 11, thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure they are and were created. You were created to give God pleasure. You were created to love on him. And as you love on him, you receive his love. You are not a human doing. You are a human being. You were created to be. And you're so busy trying to do, 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 do to get God to accept you. And that is not what God wanted you to do. You are a human being and most people sit up and think about how worthy you are, how I pray, how I fast, how I'm this. You know, someone came to me the other day going through a sickness in the body, going through certain infirmities in their body. And they immediately say, I don't know why I'm going through this. I don't know why I'm experiencing this. I don't know why the enemy is coming after me like this. I pray. I fast. I'm this. I don't understand why I'm not healed. And I told him, I know exactly why you're not healed. Because you're pointing at what you do and not what he did. God does not heal you because you pray. He does not heal you because you fast. He does not heal you because you live a wonderful life. If he did, that would be based on works. And it's not of works. You are saved, you are healed, and it happened 2,000 years ago. While you was disobedient in your sin, God died for you. And the reason you have a problem demonstrating this unconditional love is because you think that God moves for you based on works. He heals you based on what you do. He saved you based on what you do. And I'm telling you that you cannot love people unconditionally because you have a God problem. You love people the same way that you believe God loves you. And I'm saying to you today that we must get a revelation of the unconditional love of God. His love and his mercy endureth forever. That's not just something to say. You have to believe that. God is not sitting in heaven ready to critique everything wrong you did. And let me ask you, if God, if you had someone around you who sat up and critiqued everything wrong you did, you wouldn't like them. No, you did this wrong. You didn't do this right. You didn't talk right. You didn't, you didn't, you didn't walk right. Your dress is too short. Your, your pants are too, all this kind of stuff. 
If I critique everything wrong you did, you wouldn't like me. And according to John chapter 16, and I really don't want to get into this, and real soon I'll be doing a teaching on the great ministry of the Holy Ghost. But according to John chapter 16, verse 8, and when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they believe not on me. The Holy Ghost convicts of one sin, and that's the sin of unbelief, and it's to the world. It's religion that makes you feel bad about stuff. A lot of things that you think of the Holy Ghost is not the Holy Ghost, it's your conscience. And religious just religion just amplifies what your conscience. If you're saying it's the Holy Ghost, you have sinners that when they sleep with somebody's husband and feel bad, they don't have the Holy Ghost. Who's convicting them? You have Muslims who don't cheat on their wives, and if they did, they feel bad. Who's convicting them? It's not the Holy Ghost, it's their conscience. And it's religion that amplifies the conscience. Now listen, you know how I was raised. No dancing, no smoking, no drinking, no missing church. Couldn't even swim in a pool if it had women in it. No root beer, no pants, women, no makeup. All of these things we were taught. And I'm telling you that God was never in heaven sitting up saying, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this. Now listen, if you go to Austria right now, while you are preaching, while you are preaching the gospel, while they're worshiping the Lord, they say, <laughs> they drink beer in Austria. You can drink beer, but you can't drink coffee. Then you go one country over to Romania, you can drink coffee and beer, but you can't smoke cigarettes. Now, if it was wrong, it would be wrong everywhere. And if it was the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost would convict absolutely everybody who did it. So I'm telling you that it is not the Holy Ghost, it is your religion, it is your conscience, it is things that you've been taught, ways that you've been made to feel, systems and governments and things that you've been taught, and it's all based upon religion. I'm telling you that the Holy Ghost, when he does convict, okay, he's going to convict you of your relationship with Jesus. He's going to convict you and ask you, why, why didn't you trust me? Why did you turn to beer? Why did you smoke that cigarette? That's the issue. The sin is not the, the cigarette. The sin is you trusted it more than me. You turned to alcohol. You turned to beer. You turned to this and you turned to that. Yes, I'm telling you that a lot of things that we are attributing to the Holy Ghost is not the Holy Ghost. It is not the Holy Ghost sitting up making your life miserable. Religion is doing that. It's religion that tells you you can't do this and you can't do that and you can't do this. The thou shalt not. Thou shalt not this. Thou shalt not this. Thou shalt not that. No. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says it very clearly that God commended his love toward us. My God, this is powerful. In that while we were yet sinners, 
Christ dying for you. He did not wait to see what you were going to be. And let me tell you something. According to Colossians chapter 2, I, I really hope you all are getting this and coming to a great understanding. But according to Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. How did you receive him? By faith. Not by works, not by what you did, but it was by faith. And it wasn't conditional. It was unconditional. You can receive it or you can reject it. God is not going to force you to receive his love. He's not going to force you to obey him. He's not going to force you to do what he says. No, he's just going to ask you, do you want this? You were saved 2,000 years ago. You were healed 2,000 years ago. You were delivered 2,000 years ago. Do you want this? Will you receive this? Because it's already done. And then in John chapter 13, verse 35, it doesn't stop there when he says, a new commandment I write unto you, that you love one another even as I have loved you. But then he doesn't stop there. He says in verse 35, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, not converts, but he said disciples. And I believe that's another problem in the body of Christ. We are making converts and not disciples. That word disciples means a follower, a learner. He never told us to make converts. He told us to make disciples, to teach them things about the word of God, to sit down, talk to them and teach them. God wants disciples. That means you're just like him. But faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. That means that if all we teach you to do is be converted, that's all you're going to have, is you're going to be converted. If we don't teach you to be like him and to love like him, you'll never believe it. Because faith only comes by hearing, which means our teaching has to change. And the church hasn't been teaching being like Jesus. And God said the way you're going to know my disciples the followers of me, the ones who are really learned and have my character, he said, by love will you know my disciple. And if I was to ask most of you right now, what is the distinguishing characteristic of a Christian? What sets Christians apart from everybody else? It's not the makeup. It's not the hair. It's not the long dress. It's not because you don't drink and you don't smoke, of which all of those things I don't think you should do because you're destroying your temple. All of those things I still believe are, are wrong and immoral. But none of them makes you qualified for heaven. You can never smoke, never drink, never have sex outside of marriage, never lie, never cheat, and stand before a holy God and he still says, why didn't you accept what I did at Calvary? Has nothing to do with what you do. God said the distinguishing characteristic of a Christian is loving one another. By this shall all know. That word mean is not even in the original text. If you look at it in your Bible, it's italicized. By this shall all know that ye are my disciples. If you have love one to another. Religion puts demands on the external. But when Jesse 
had a son at his house and Samuel showed up to Jesse's house and got ready to pick who was going to be the king. God picked the run of the litter. They had all these boys that they thought looked upon, thought for sure they would be the ones. And God said, I don't look at the outward appearance, but I look at the heart. It's amazing how as long as people come to church and they look good on Sunday, we're okay with it. Now, they can live like the devil. They can be immoral. They can be nasty, be in the clubs. But as long as they come to church looking saved on Sunday with a long dress, no makeup, huh? Looking like they've done everything right. We'll say nothing to them because we pay attention to people's actions. And yes, your actions should change. But your actions should be a product of your relationship. God is not looking at what you do, but the heart behind what you do. They say don't commit adultery. Guess what I say? If you look upon a woman to lust after her, you've already committed adultery in your heart. God is looking at the heart behind what you do, the motive behind what you do. Old Testament Christians were held accountable by the external because they could not receive Jesus. But you are a believer. You have the spirit of God living on the inside of you. And you have a new commandment. And that new commandment is not about do this, do that, do this, do that. It's about a heart thing. It's about loving people as I have loved you. I'm telling you that you should be holy, but holiness is not the root. It is the fruit of your salvation. And if you're making people feel bad to do stuff, that's not love. If you're making people feel bad and that's why they're not drinking, that's why they're not smoking, they're scared of God, they're sitting up thinking God is getting ready to come down and beat them with a sledgehammer, that God is mad, that anytime I I don't wake up and pray, he's going to get me and all of those things. If that's the perception you have of God and if that's what you're teaching people, I'm telling you that that is not the love of God. You better say this to people or the blood's going to be on your hands. That is not the love of God. You should not make people feel bad to do stuff because the motivation behind it is not love. And if you have to compel folk to win souls is because they haven't became a disciple. Because once you become a disciple, nobody has to beg you to do anything. Once you experience the unconditional love of God, you want to tell people about it, that he loves me. And it can't be about works, but you cannot give away what you don't have. And most of us have a revelation of conditional love, and that's the way you treat people. You can't give away this love. And there's so much more to this teaching that I want to share with you. But I have to go. But of course, if you ever want to hear this teaching in its entirety, all you got to do is go to the website. You can go to um, BrianCarn.com or 
kccjacks.org, I believe. And I'm telling you, you need this message in its entirety. All right. You can give for any amount. Just give whatever you have and sow that seed and give for whatever amount you have to give. And we'll make sure that we send it to you so that your life could be changed and so that you can walk in this love so that you can be a disciple. This teaching is changing my life, but you got to hear it in its entirety. I love you. I'm praying for you and I believe in God that you would have an amazing encounter with his unconditional love so that you can give that love to others as he has given it to you. I love you. More grace. Thank you for listening to the Prophetic Podcast with Prophet Brian Karn. Stay tuned for next week's podcast and visit briancarn.com for more information and to sow a seed into the ministry. To receive this message in its entirety, call one 855 984-2276 or 1-833-522-5433. More grace, we're excited about your future.